and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. He sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty articulate. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Live from the auction community studios on this Thursday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke show. Wolf is in Tennessee. So, Wolf, I have some questions for you to start the show. Okay. Do you have sunscreen in your eyes? <laughs> I do not. Was, I do not. And the reason being, of course, because I wasn't out at practice uh, this morning. Um, kind of a walkthrough practice for the Arizona Cardinals, and it was also it was closed to the public. So, um, yeah, it was a tough situation. There was nobody that was really going to practice other than the coaches and the players this morning. So, uh, yeah, no sunscreen in the eyes. That was really my only question for you. I guess now just to have a follow-up, I'll ask how you're doing. Yeah, you know what? I'm doing fine. Good. As a matter of fact, got a little bit more sleep last night, ready to broadcast. How are you doing, Luke? You know, I'm doing great, Wolf. It's been it's been a great few days. Uh, however, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a great few days. It has. It's been Right alone. The, the last Liz, no, no. Liz. <laughs> hanging out inside the studio by yourself. Didn't, of course, did not mean that it's been great because you're not in the studio <laughs> and I can turn the air to whatever I want and just hang out. No, uh, just in general, it's been a great few days. However, the Cardinals are making me nervous, Wolf. It's been a great few days of life, but for the Cardinals, I'm going to replay some of the Cliff Kingsbury audio. Okay, I've got three clips here. Oh, no. This is all about Antonio Hamilton, okay? And you tell me what we can glean from this, all right? Three questions for Cliff about Antonio Hamilton. This is Tuesday. Hey, where's Antonio Hamilton? Uh, I had a doctor's appointment. Okay, thanks, Cliff. How about, um, (laughs) are there any sort of concerns with Antonio Hamilton? Uh, No, no. He's still being evaluated um, right now. All right, uh, okay. Care to elaborate on what's wrong with Antonio Hamilton? Um, We'll let you know week one when we have to. Okay, well, that cleared nothing at all up, Wolf, and that's kind of a problem since they only have, like, three startable corners on the roster right now anyway, and we're not getting any answers on the guy that was moving up the depth chart. Okay, you you played three cuts right there, Luke. Can I hear the second one again? Because it was, uh, are you concerned, right? Isn't that the question right there? Okay, play that one one again. Uh, No, no, he's still being evaluated um, right now. Okay, so no, he wasn't concerned. He's he's being, he's being evaluated okay. right now. Uh, listen, are you concerned? Yes. Yes. Am I concerned? Yes. Is everybody concerned? Yes. I'm sure that there there are a lot of people that are concerned. Listen, could there be a worse position room for something untoward to happen? No. There no. could not. I mean, why could why could there not be an issue in the wide receiver room? I mean, there is. <laughs> or, well, yeah, there <laughs> is, but it's still pretty strong with yeah. what is going on with Andy Isabella, of course, and Greg Dortch. Um, it is. It's pretty strong still. The wide receiver room. Um, what about the running back room? That's that's a little jammed up. That might um, clear some things up, actually. Yeah, it, it probably would have, but. Yeah, you know what, this is, could there be a worse position for this to happen? No. No, I mean, this is all coming together in a, in a potentially very scary way for the Cardinals because now you have this position you went into camp feeling thin at. The only guy I can really remember Cliff ever call, 
calling out publicly is Marco Wilson. So the thought was, okay, is Marco Wilson, like, is he dropping down the depth chart? And then Cliff last week was like, Antonio Hamilton has passed him. So the only way to really look at that optimistically is, hey, Antonio Hamilton's playing really well. Except now Antonio Hamilton's hurt. And Wolf, you're already thin at this position. And the capper is just the first quarterback you face is Patrick Mahomes. Right. Uh, <laughs> what's your point, Luke? <laughs> Everything's great. I'm going to go ahead and put this in the negative category. Somebody, okay, somebody needs to step up. There's no doubt about that. And number one, Marco Wilson. Marco Wilson. Hey, listen, Byron Murphy's having a very good camp. Okay, now that doesn't mean he's going to have a great season. It does not. But he's having a very, very good camp right now. So I feel good about that. Marco Wilson has got to be the Marco Wilson from the first 11 weeks, 12 weeks of last season. He's got to be that guy. He's got to be what he was through the first 10, 11, 12 weeks of the season. And there's just no getting around that right now and Marco Wilson needs to step up and grab the bull by the horns metaphorically speaking and do something about it yeah and you know (laughs) the pessimist says okay is that even enough Byron Murphy being great that helps but you need more than one corner Marco Wilson stepping up would be huge and the, the other thing we should point out here Wolf is it's not like Antonio Hamilton has been ruled out of week one by any means right. it's just there's mystery around it and it just feels like over and over over the last six months if you said hey pick a Cardinal that you can't do without right now first it was DeAndre Hopkins then it was Kyle Murray, then it was Rodney Hudson, and some of these guys have come back, obviously, but certainly within the last couple weeks, it would have been uh, it would have been a corner. It would have been Byron Murphy one, and probably Antonio Hamilton second, and now we don't know what's up with him. Yeah, but you know, even with Antonio Hamilton, once again, being the number two corner, according to Cliff Kingsbury, um, Marco Wilson still would need to step up, because you need three guys, you need three corners in today's NFL. The, the nickel is out there a lot. The nickel defense with three corners is out on the field a lot. And now with 11 personnel taking over the National Football League, one back, one tight end, three wide receivers, you need three corners. It's almost like you're looking at your team, and when you build your depth chart, you need three corners that can play. And Marco Wilson has got to continue to step up. Even with Antonio Hamilton, even Antonio Hamilton being that third corner now that was moved up to the second corner Marco Wilson still is the guy that is in the crosshairs to me he still needs to be that guy he's got all the talent in the world what is the problem that's number one this is me every single time I get an email now, like a press release from the Cardinals, Wolf. I like I like frantically rip open the email just to be like, is this a corner? And then it's always like, here's the practice schedule for next week. Or, you know, here's something that the Cardinals will be doing. Here's the game notes for Saturday's game, which is great. I need those things. But what I really need is an announcement that they have traded for a corner or yes. signed a corner or maybe even traded for a corner and signed a corner, honestly, at this point. That is coming. Yeah. I, it, you know, we, we kind of briefly touched on it yesterday, but the more I think about it, this really is like the worst position to be trying to add pieces at right now, other than quarterback. Because 
teams just don't want to give these guys up. You, you never feel yes. like you have enough corners. Yeah, no, you're right on it right there, Luke. It really is that. That is the case. I, I believe the Cardinals are going to wait and see if the waiver wire produces any type of fruit whatsoever. Fruit they'd be interested in picking up off the ground. Um, but then I think they're going to pull the trigger. If they if they don't find something out there, they're going to pull the trigger on a trade for a corner that most likely involves a pick and a player. And the most likely player, in my opinion, is Andy Isabella. Yeah. Uh, he may end up really... That's uh, just a guess, okay? It really is, but he's having a great camp. That's the thing. He may end up really helping the Cardinals. If, if he's on his way out the door, he might really help them by having a really good camp and allowing them to get a corner for him, or they might just keep him. But, you know, the list of, of corners that are free agents that are still out there, Wolf, a lot of them have been out there for months and months. Is there a, a point, like... Are teams waiting to sign guys now until you get to like the first week of the season just for financial reasons? Or is this a situation where these guys, I mean, some of these names like Joe Hayden and A.J. Boye, you look at them, Kevin King, are they just not cutting it for teams now? Yeah, and I also think, too, again, there is this view of preseason that, you know what, uh, the preseason thing is really not needed to actually build a team. I, I honestly think there has been a paradigm shift when it comes to the philosophy of training camp, and it continues to change the football universe. And I think those guys that you mentioned right there, those corners that are still out there, I think they're just waiting. They're just waiting for a team to say, okay, I'll I'll hit that number. I'll hit that number for you, and then we'll sign you, and we'll bring you in. But, man, it's a whole new world. It really is. All right, we come back. Wolf, I know you put in your pre-show email, how about no Kevin Durant talk? And we were going to stick to that. But then Charles Barkley spoke on the situation. He spoke to Bickley and Murata. So we're going to react to what he had to say next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. And Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Hi, right, welcome back to the show. Charles Barkley was on with Bickley and Murata this morning, Wolf. And generally, Chuck does not... Uh, He's not the most subtle guy. He is the opposite of passive-aggressive, so you can imagine what he has to say about Kevin Durant is probably a little bit more straightforward than Kevin Durant's actions uh, themselves. Uh, and he didn't just talk about Katie, but he was on with uh, with Bickley and Murata this morning, and so the, they did ask him about the uh, the trade that ultimately never happened anywhere. It's not like it just didn't happen with the Suns. It didn't happen anywhere. That's what Barkley had to say. Uh, I thought he would end up staying there because they, they wouldn't go. They didn't get offered anything I thought that was substantial. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but man, they're going to be tough to beat. But it's going to be interesting how his relationship with Steve Nash and Sean Marks is. They've got to win right away, or it's just going to, you know, how, they, how they're going to do it in New York. They're going to talk about it every single day. Yeah. But they got a couple of things in their favor. Number one, Kyrie can't be an idiot because he, he got he got to play well to be a free agent after the season. Mm-hmm. And then Ben Simmons, he's got to play well because he's got to prove everybody wrong. So, man, if, if they buy in, they could be really tough to beat. 
All right. Well, Boy, I mean, where do you start on that one, Luke? <laughs> well, a couple things. I mean, he said what you and I said yesterday of Brooklyn better get off to a good start. Uh, and what I didn't even think of at the time, although it's it's painfully obvious when he brings it up, is, I mean, look at the media market they're in. If Brooklyn goes out there and starts like 10 and 10, it's not just going to be a thing where if they can get over it internally, they'll be fine. They're going to be so heavily scrutinized in that city that if things aren't going well and Durant's questioning Nash or he's questioning Marks again, if this stuff pops up during the season, it's it's going to be like gasoline on the fire. I don't think Durant's there past this upcoming season, but I think if they get out of the gate strong and have a good year, he may stick around the whole year. Yeah, you know, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying right there, Luke, but for me, that cut played by Chuck, nobody wanted to give the Nets what they were asking for. <laughs> nobody wanted that is the thing that really continues to resonate and stick out with me. No Nobody wanted to give the Brooklyn Nets what they were asking for Kevin Durant. Now stop and think about that, man, for a second. Why do you think that is? His age? I'm sure. What he's making? Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, yet at the same time, the fact remains, nobody was willing to hit that mark or reach that line of what the Brooklyn Nets were asking for. That's amazing to me. Yeah, and I think there's there's a couple things, like you just said. I think also the fact that it's very tough to even meet that mark with the rules in place. and The, you know, the rosters aren't huge in the NBA. There's only so much a team can actually trade. You were already limited because there were only a few teams that Durant realistically was going to stick with. So any other team isn't going to offer up all their pieces for one year of Kevin Durant if they're nowhere close to a title. And you have stuff like this, too. I mean, KD's reputation has taken a hit, not just in the last couple months, but really the last few years. Here's more from Barkley. Oh, you know, all the old guys, they get mad when we say it. You pick it back on the Warriors to win his first champion, two championships. <laughs> but if you go back and look at his career as the best player and being a leader that all goes with uh, he's been an abject failure. I mean, every time he's been like the guy who has to be the leader and the best player, uh, he has not had success. It's true. And that's what us old guys think about him until he becomes the leader and best player on a championship team where he has to deal with all responsibility, all the media stuff that goes with it, expectations. So we're always going to hold that against him. That's the thing, Wolf. If he had there come it here, is. He, he wouldn't have had to be that guy, right? This is this yeah. Booker's team. Booker's yeah. a leader. Chris Paul as a leader in Brooklyn, where he is now, for at least at least the time being, he's going to have to be that guy. Yeah, exactly. But not only that, you know, there it is. That's exactly why nobody wanted to give the Nets what they were asking for at this point in time. I, I agree with Chuck. He's right on this thing. That's the reason why nobody wanted to do it. Because he's in, and here's the problem. When he comes in, he's your beta. He's not your alpha. Okay, he's your beta, but he comes in like an alpha. If that makes sense. He's getting paid like an alpha. And that's making demands like an alpha. Exactly. And that's one of the reasons why, Luke, uh, ultimately, I came to a conclusion weeks ago on Kevin Durant in my own heart. Again, intellectually, I understand that he makes the Phoenix Suns better. Emotionally, in my own heart, I didn't want Kevin Durant. (laughs) I didn't want Kevin Durant. And it was because I don't think he'd be a good fit. With the Phoenix Suns. Now, you can say, yeah, he wouldn't have to be the alpha, but he's going to come in as a beta and act like an alpha. 
Well, this I is, don't think that's good. This is what I would say as far as a fit. I think the Suns are the best fit for him. Now, was it a good fit for the Suns? You know, like you're saying, you're going to add an all-time great. Yeah, it's a good fit because you probably you probably win the title. You certainly have your, the inside track. You could still do it without him, though. I could see why Durant would rather be in Phoenix than Brooklyn because the Brooklyn situation, Barkley just laid it out right there. Yeah, Kyrie's probably going to try this year because if he doesn't, he's going to take a hit as a free agent next summer. I, just, I don't until I see Ben Simmons actually play. I'm not going to suddenly believe he's going to go out there and play basketball. Whereas if Durant was here, you know, he I really thought it was the perfect spot for him because he kind of could have jumped onto a potentially great team, but also a team that didn't have a ring yet. So you couldn't look at him and say, "Oh yeah, you just you piggybacked off them the way you did in Golden State." Here's another one from Barkley. This is uh, this is his nickname for KD. He just seems like a miserable person, man. I call him Mr. Miserable. He's never going to be happy. <laughs> it's true. Every, I mean, everybody's giving him everything on a silver platter. Mm-hmm. You know, he he was a man in, in, in Oklahoma City. They loved him. He owned the entire state. And then he bolts on them and goes to the Warriors. He wins back-to-back championships, and he's still not happy. He goes to Brooklyn. They give him everything he wants, and he's still miserable. That's why I call him Mr. Miserable. <laughs> Mr. Miserable. See, I mean, listen, uh, Chuck, I I love the clarity here. I really do, because all it's doing is solidifying in my own mind. It is exactly how I feel about Kevin Durant. Well, and listen, I respect his talent Mm -hmm. greatly. But my goodness, there's so much more that comes with it. When you talk about a professional sports team, especially when you talk about an NBA team, you got 15 guys, 16 guys on walking around your locker room. I mean, you you have got to have the chemistry part of it uh, together for the most part. And the fact that he's a passive-aggressive beta doesn't do that for me. Barkley really is the right guy to hear from to sort of put a bow on all this as the Suns turn their attention back to the Suns. Like Barkley, Barkley doesn't mince words. There's no subtweeting. There's no ultimatums that last two weeks. Like this is actually just Barkley will just put it all out there. Whether you agree or not, you don't have to like wonder what Barkley is thinking. Now, right. beyond Durant, <laughs> uh, they also asked him about the end of the season and, and just what happened last year. But the thing is, now the Suns are not going to be favored going forward. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest problem they got. Because now... I'm going to pick the Clippers to win the West, probably. The Suns missed a golden opportunity where they were favored and probably should have won it. Yeah, the, the thing about the KD stuff, Wolf, is it kind of gave us, in a weird way, like a reprieve this offseason from dwelling on how last season ended. A little bit. I mean, we still dwell yeah. on it. But Barkley just put it right back into into focus right there. I mean, I don't think they're done by any means. But I was looking at the odds. They're They're projected to finish third in their own division. That's I don't agree with, but that's where Vegas has them right now. Yeah, you know what I love about that? I'm sorry, man. You know that I love this. I love the underdog right now. The last two years when the Suns went to the NBA Finals and won the first two games of the Finals and then lost the next four, inexplicably so, and yet coming into this, the next season where the Suns, be, they won 64 games, man, and they were the number one seed in the Western Conference, you know, I, they were at the very top. 
I kind of like it. Let's slink into the shadows. Let's do that and put our back against the wall, metaphorically speaking, and be the underdog this season. I like that because that can help frame up a mindset for the players in that locker room. I like it. I I don't hate it. I'm I'm with you on this one. And a lot of times when a team locally is doing well, we get frustrated because it's like a team from New York wins half as many games and they get all the attention in the world. But I think in this specific instance, Wolf, to have gone to the finals two years ago and then to have followed it up with a franchise record 64 wins and to be able to enter this year basically with the same team and yet kind of fly under the radar as underdogs that's that's the sort of sweet spot you don't often get to hit. Now, we'll see how they react the to it. The thrill is gone, Luke. The thrill is gone. Yeah. When NBA analysts talk about the Phoenix Suns, the thrill is gone. And I like that. It took them a while to focus on anybody that wasn't the Lakers or the Nets anyway. <laughs> Look what happened. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, Wolf was the lone wolf at yesterday's joint practice in Tennessee. So what were his biggest takeaways heading into Saturday's game against the Titans? It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. It is the Wolf and Luke Show. Wolf, before we jump back into football, you heard it right there in Sarah's update. Chet Holmgren, done for the year already. thats I know he wasn't the first pick in the draft, but he was basically the face of this draft. And the fear was that he might not be able to, to hold up, and now he's already missing the first year of his career. You know, just uh, the Liz Franck injury. Oh, my goodness. Anything but the Liz Franck. you got to be kidding me. Um, yeah, I hate to see this for a young guy. It's, it's no death knell by any stretch of the imagination, metaphorically speaking, of course. It really isn't. There have been other high picks that have actually missed their rookie season as well and things have turned out, but um, yeah, the dreaded Liz Frank, and you got hurt in a pro-am up in Seattle. What yeah. a mess that is. Guarding LeBron, yeah, it sounds exactly. like. Of all people. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I don't really care about Oklahoma City, but I I feel bad for Chet Holmgren, for sure. You hate to be starting your career that way. Yep. Uh, Okay, now back to football. The joint practices that were supposed to happen this week, only one of them happened. That was by design. It happened yesterday. But you were there, and really nobody else was, Wolf. So I want to get some of your biggest takeaways from yesterday, because we just have the one preseason game left. One of the biggest questions I have for this preseason game is, is this going to determine which running backs are still on the roster? And we can get into that (laughs) a little bit. But what did you see at practice that really jumped out to you. You know, it's amazing you bring this up because I so want to say Kyler Murray. I so, I so want to talk about Kyler Murray and how Kyler Murray practiced and how he played. I really, really liked and enjoyed Kyler Murray. I, I just can't. I, I can't start there. I start with Andy Isabella. Wow. <laughs> I, yeah, no, Luke, I'm telling you, man. I, I asked myself this question as I was watching Andy Isabella uh, have another strong, strong practice, my brother's how do you, how do you cut Andy and Isabella? How do you cut him? How do you do that? 
and don't, he had another strong practice, man. He's he's got to be on this roster, right? Well, I, I don't think <laughs> this is tough because you know there's so many different ways to to view Andy Isabella, right? If you're viewing the guy that got taken two picks ahead of DK Metcalf, you're you're never going to embrace him, and that's not his fault. But he also hasn't been good in actual games the first couple years of his career. But the thing is, Wolf, you kept him those years. Why would you let go of him now when he certainly looks like he's getting better? <laughs> See, that is the thing right there, Luke. He is getting better. There's no doubt about it. Um, You know, he's the most improved player year to year on this roster. He is the most improved player. Uh, To me, there's no doubt about it. He's out there making plays, and he did it again in practice. He's the most improved player on the roster, and at the same time, I, I know, okay, I, I know the fact he has not done anything, really. He has not really made the strides that he's making right now. Um, I'm fascinated by what they're going to do with Andy Isabella. This guy, he continues to work hard, man. Yesterday, um, he was working with the ones. Yeah, it's funny you say that because if at the start of camp, if you had said, okay, who do you think is going to be the most improved player? I probably would have said Eno just because of how they were talking him up. Uh, I would have hoped Zayvon Collins. It would have been nice if it was Marco Wilson. And look, we haven't even got to real games yet. I don't know. We would have had to go a while, Wolf, before I would have even thought to list Andy Isabella. Sure. For me, I think you hit it earlier in the show. You trade him. You've already got receivers. And I don't know that his stock never has been this high. I don't know how high it is because, you know, how much of other teams seen it. But he is. He looks a lot better. And you don't really need a receiver and you have a glaring need at corner. Now, I don't know if you can get one for him, but I would at least be looking at that. Yeah, you know, again, working with the ones when the Cardinals were in team and when they went two-minute against the Titans as well, he got one reps right there. I I honestly think, as I was watching that, I honestly think the Arizona Cardinals, are, they're going to give Andy Isabella a lot of reps on Saturday. I'd play him the whole the game. Titans. <laughs> Seriously, the whole I game. think they're going to go ahead and they're going to showcase him I, I because I, I, I don't think they're going to cut him. There's no way. There's no way you're going to cut this guy. You can get something for him if he goes out and flashes like he has in this preseason right now. Honestly, I I think they're going to try to get him the ball in every way they possibly can and try to showcase him and get something out of it. Even if it's a six-round pick, a seventh-round pick, or he's a player in a pick that is involved in some trade for a corner. Listen, nobody has told me that. This is pure speculation on my my part. And you know I'm an Andy Isabella fan. I'm rooting for the kid because of the kid and who he is. I'm rooting for him to get it right. And and nobody wants to see any pick, high pick, come into the league and fail. Nobody wants to see any young guy get his dream destroyed. I certainly don't because I know exactly what it feels like. But having said all of that... um, there's no way you're going to cut him. You're going to try to trade him. Well, yeah, first. I, I think there's there's logic to it. I know you said it's it's just speculation. You haven't been told that, but I think there's logic to it too. Because again, why why would you hold on to him the first couple of years when he didn't seem to have it? Now he seems to be getting it. You don't. <laughs> I don't know a whole lot about the stock market, Wolf, but I'm pretty sure you don't sell low and buy high. So. 
without DeAndre Hopkins, and let's be real, Antoine Wesley is kind of a mystery right now with the injury. Uh, you've got Hollywood Brown. I'm just looking at week one. Hollywood Brown, A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, Greg Dorch, Andy Isabella. That's all you yeah. know for sure you have. And as much as I like Dorch, he hasn't proven anything in a regular season game any more than Isabella. So let's let's put those two as even as your number four receiver going into week one. You're not cutting your number four receiver going into week one. Yeah, and just let me say quickly, those two guys that you mentioned right there, if, if anybody is having a great preseason, it is Dorch mm-hmm. and Isabella. Those two guys. They uh, they must be either pushing each other or, or feeding off each other's energy or whatever, because you're right. I mean, not only do they play both play offense, both play the same position, they're really, when when camp started, probably looked at each other as like, it's either me or him, and now it might be both, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, it's a great point, man. Uh, here's more from, uh, this is Cliff yesterday on if he got what he wanted out of that joint practice. Definitely. I thought um, lots of good energy. You felt the competitive fire from our guys. I thought they really turned up in the conversation. Competition and to go against another um, team and different people in one-on-ones was really good for him. And uh, we'll watch the film. A lot to clean up, but I, I really like the energy and I like the way that they competed. And Wolfie also said something you said yesterday, that the two areas he really feel like they got the, the most out of. I think anytime you're doing 11-on-11, it's probably um, the best work you can get. But the one-on-one is good to go against somebody else and, and work your technique against uh, a different technique than you've seen all, all training camp. But I, I like the one day. Um, it's kind of like my Vegas philosophy. Give me 24 hours and I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just stop it, Cliff. But you know what? I want to talk about what he said right there because the Arizona Cardinals, right before they went and worked a team, the two-minute team against the Tennessee Titans, right before they did that, they had their own 11-on-11. But that 11-on-11, their own team period against each other, came after the individual one-on-ones, came after the 7-on-7 against the Tennessee Titans, and suddenly they had the best team 20-minute period I've ever seen them have. The tempo was great. It was crisp. They were efficient on both sides of the ball, making plays. I, Man, it's amazing. All of a sudden, you start practicing against the Titans one-on-one and seven-on-seven, and the competitive juices start flowing, and then you get together again, and you have your own team period, your own 11-on-11, and the... The juices were overflowing from that individual in that seven-on-seven period, and they had their best work, I thought, against each other of the entire training camp. Yeah, the the one-on-ones are great unless you're that poor Titans cornerback, Christian Fulton, who drew DeAndre Hopkins in the one-on-one. Then it's it's not as great. Yeah. Uh, Congrats to Michael Fabian from Phoenix. He was our first winner for the brand-new Phoenix Suns Nike Classic Edition jersey celebrating the 30th anniversary of the 92-93 team. Those are pretty sweet, and we still have more jerseys to give away. So text Jersey to 620-620 for your chance to win. Again, that's Jersey to 620-620. When we come back, two big-name D-backs pitchers are going in very different directions. We'll explain next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Like we always do with this Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Good news, bad news with the Arizona Diamondbacks, Wolf. Bad news is they lose last night to the Royals. Just couldn't get anything going offensively uh, against Brady Singer, who's actually been really good for the Royals this season in his third year. 
good news for the D-backs is another masterful performance mm. from Zach Gallen, who is now up to 27 and a third consecutive shutout innings. Look, everybody expected this guy to be really good, and it, it, it was almost funny. You know, last year he, he statistically didn't have a great year, and in his career he didn't have a ton of wins because he just hasn't pitched that much prior to this year and, and didn't get a lot of run support. Uh, but we're seeing it, Wolf. It, it sure looks like the D-backs have their staff ace of the future now. Yeah, there's no doubt about that right now. Um, I remember back when Randy Johnson, all the way back to Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling, but I remember Randy Johnson, how many outings he he would go out and he'd give up one run or he'd give up no runs and leave in a tie game <laughs> in the eighth inning. You know, I mean, how many times you'd see Randy Johnson go out there and, of course, uh, he would end up losing those games many of the times. Um, but it's just a situation right now where the Diamondbacks are having real problems with their bullpen, and they have all year long. Yeah, it's it's maddening. If you were in a pennant race, it'd be even more maddening because Gallon did leave, even though the D-backs had a hard time generating anything off Brady Singer. He did leave with a lead because he didn't give up any runs again. He went six innings, didn't give up any runs. He, he left up one nothing, and then the bullpen promptly gave up five runs in the seventh. D-backs lose 5-3. to three. For Gallon now, 27 and a third consecutive scoreless innings is fifth all-time in D-backs history. Uh, he's a third of an inning behind Robbie Ray, who did it in 2017. And then Wolf, everybody else, we're talking 2006, Brandon Webb. 1999, Andy Bennis. And 2007, Andy Brandon Bennis. I bet you didn't expect to be talking about Andy Bennis on the show today. Did not expect to say Andy Bennis at all today. That is awesome. Uh, so you've got Gallon, and then that's the biggest thing, right? I mean, yes, it, it, it's annoying. You brought up the bullpen. It, it's got to be frustrating if you're Gallon. It's certainly frustrating. You know, at, you're at the game. You, you watch Gallon pitch well. You watch Merrill Kelly pitch well the other day. The bullpen, we've detailed it. If they even won probably half these games that the bullpen has let slip away, they be in a playoff spot right now, or at least within a game or two, which is crazy to even think. But bigger picture, it is more important that Zach Gallon is absolutely turning into the guy that you hoped he would turn into. Yeah, especially when you're looking at all the farmers right now that you have up on the team that are playing as well as they are. You you need that pitching staff, and you need the anchor of that pitching staff to be the best of the best. And it appears as though this is, without a doubt, this is the Zach Gallen we all know and we all love. This is the Zach Gallen who is healthy now, and I think we're seeing that based on the fact that he's gone 27 and a third scoreless innings right now. He's at his best since he has shown up here. This is the best stretch. Those 27 innings right there, this is the best stretch we have seen from Zach Allen. And we've seen him at his best many times. And this season, though, I think he's reached the high point of his career right now. And to your point, going forward, you're going to build, I would imagine, your staff around Zach Allen going forward. That without trade, a doubt. That trade to bring him in. Is is indicative of of their uh, strategy to build this team too? Because we've been talking about this a lot on the show lately. Of you know, if it's me, I'm drafting prospects that hit. I'm drafting hitters, and I'm letting somebody else kind of develop the pitcher for a year or two, and then I'm trading for him. That trade. I mean, they sent Jazz Chisholm to to Miami. He's pretty good too. He's been hurt for a little bit, but he's pretty good too. But you know, they've got other hitters in the system. They didn't have a pitcher like Zach Gallon. If he's going to be like this, Wolf, then obviously, I mean, maybe both teams win the trade. But either way, the D-backs are going to be happy with it. His next start is scheduled to be Monday 
at home, so Chase Field against the Phillies, and he's only, as I mentioned, he's fifth all-time in the D-backs scoreless streak. He could easily, if he just goes four in a third inning, he'll jump ahead of Robbie Ray, Brandon Webb, and Andy Bennis, and Brandon Webb from 2007 is 42 straight scoreless innings, which is just crazy. Like, we all forget how good Brandon Webb was, I think, because he had the injuries, but Zach Gallon in his next start could jump up to number two all-time in D-backs history. Yeah, I have to ask you this right now, though, since we're talking about Diamondback pitching, mm-hmm. the fact that they skip Mad Bomb, I thought that right there, based on performance-based decision, skipping Mad Bomb yeah. in the rotation. I what are your what's your reaction to that? That's it's <laughs> not great, right? I mean, I, you didn't trade him at the deadline. Maybe you know I didn't want them to trade him just for the sake of trading him, but keeping him, the hope was okay. He's going to help you win more games, and he's going to be a uh, somebody that leads by example in that room, and he could still be doing that for sure. But Wolf, his last, what is it, seven starts? That stretch is is arguably the worst of his career in terms of he's given up 30 runs in his, 30 earned runs yeah. in his last seven starts. That's not Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Listen, if Mad Bomb is hurt or if he's mentally taxed or mechanically somehow messed up, which he may be, then everything I'm about to say is moot. <laughs> All right, but yeah, yeah, he he struggled mightily, especially I would say particularly when you look at the last five starts. He's allowed what twenty four earned runs in his last twenty eight point two innings pitched. It's not great. Twenty four in twenty eight point two. Yes, his ERA has absolutely ballooned. It's over four and a half. It was what three three point four five in June. Yeah, it was decent he, for the yeah. season. He was having a decent year. Yeah, and now all of a sudden things are really, really bad. But the only way out of it to me is Mad Bum taking the ball and pitching his way out of it. Well, 7.53 ERA. I'm proud of myself for doing the math right there while you were talking over those last five starts. Yeah, you might be right. And it's not like they're shutting him down. Um, you know, Brent Strom, the pitching coach, his his done well with Tommy Henry. It's very early. He's obviously done well with Zach Gallen. Strom's the one who, who joked that when he took the job, one of his friends said, "You've got you, if Zach Gallen doesn't win Cy Young's, you're doing something wrong. So far, so good with Strom. So I, I don't know how much you can necessarily teach Madison Bumgarner at this point in his career, but maybe just a different perspective. Maybe maybe missing one start. Hopefully it's just one. We'll, we'll maybe kind of help him reset. This is what he said after his last start on Saturday. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We're trying to figure it out. Um, you know, like I said, I thought I threw the ball better today, a little bit better than than I have in the, in the past few starts. Um, but you know, same results, so it don't it don't mean much. It is a good team. They're uh, they're hot right now. Uh, they see lefties good, but um, that's you know no excuse. Uh, I'm not out there, you know, trying to give credit to other guys. I got to I got to find a way to to do better. Yeah, well, yeah. If, if it was just the last start, you could write it off. Okay, it's the Cardinals. They're red hot. You know, even if you look at these five starts, the Braves are in there, San Francisco, uh, but, you know, the Pirates, Colorado in there, too. Either way, he just doesn't look like Madbone. No, and, you know, that's the reason why I'd love to know this performance-based decision to skip his spot in the rotation right here. Does Madbone want this? I mean, does he think this is the best way forward? Uh, I think I could get behind it if, in fact, the player, if, in fact, Madison Bumgarner thought it was the best way forward. Yeah. 
yeah. I'd be okay with that. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, every person, I think, knows themselves best. You know what you need to do to give yourself the best odds of getting it right. I think in anything in life, I think we'd, we'd be able to say that. If this was Mad Bum's idea, Luke, I'm good with that. If it's Tory's idea, I, I hope Mad Bum fought him on it. Yeah, well, <laughs> I hope he, he did. probably did, honestly. I mean, Madison Bumgarner seemed like somebody you'd want to walk up to and be like, yeah, you know what? We're going to sit you next start, and it's because of your performance. Like, I, I can't imagine that's the easiest conversation in the world to have. So if, if it wasn't his idea, I think you're probably right that he did, he did fight back on it. As it stands, he's scheduled to make his next start the day after Zach Allen makes that start against the Phillies. That's not an easy lineup either. I got so much more to say about that. Uh, we'll get back into it later on the show. When we come back, though, what can the Cardinals expect in Cody Ford? We're going to ask 15-year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander, who knows Cody Ford. The lowdown is next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.